Thanks for joining us here at AG Kolkata. We are the church for the open arms and we serve in the city of joy, Kolkata. It is our desire to reach out to those in need and to be instruments of effective change in a hurting world. If you like to learn more about us, you can simply go to www.agkolkata.org. We hope that you'll enjoy today's message. We've gone through an interesting journey. At least I hope you have found it interesting. What the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. Beginning with his mighty work of creation. Creating the world, the universe out of nothing. All through his dealings, through the Old Testament, through the prophets very specifically. And then in the ministry of Jesus, we've talked about how the Holy Spirit is not just some abstract force, he's a person. And he's not just any person, he is God, the God, the invisible God, the God we cannot see. The God who is not exactly tangible, but like the wind, we can observe his effects. Uh, and the spirit, of course, is God himself and he's sovereign. We cannot put the Holy Spirit in our pocket, so to speak. Uh, we cannot put him in a box even in our teaching. And when it comes to experiencing the Holy Spirit, that's especially true. There are times when as individuals or as a group, the Holy Spirit can come like a mighty rushing wind like he did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But other times, he just comes like a gentle breeze, the gentle breeze of Jesus. The point Friends, this morning is not just to know about the Holy Spirit. The point is not just to understand Him, important although that is. The real point of everything we have said from this pulpit and everything we try to do as the, the pastoral leadership is to lead you to a closer, intimate relationship with this person. Remember, He's called a helper, He's called a friend. He's called a comforter, he's called a counselor, and he wants to do all of that to us as we develop a closer, more intimate relationship with him. So this morning, that's what I want us to look at briefly, the Holy Spirit and you. That includes me as well, because I'm as hungry for more of him as anyone in this auditorium this morning. The people of Israel celebrated seven major festivals through the year. And of the seven festivals which they celebrated, some of you may have heard of the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Trumpets, so on and so forth. The Feast of Tabernacles came last in the Jewish calendar. And the, like, like the other feasts, the feast commemorated an important event in the life of this, the people of God. And the Feast of Tabernacles was to help them remember how God had preserved them in the wilderness when they never had a permanent dwelling. They lived in tents. Uh, and uh, 
In fact, that's what they actually used to do in this eight-day festival. It's an eight-day festival. The first day and the last day were Sabbaths, but the rest of the time, the people of Israel actually lived temporarily in booths or tents just to remember what it was like. And during this eight-day festival, each day, the priests would draw water from the pool of Siloam in large jugs and then lead a joyful procession, a musical procession to the temple during which they would sing psalms of praise, the Hallel Psalms as they were called. And when they reached, would reach the temple, they would pour out the water at the temple altar. And after the singing and chanting was completed, the climax of this ritual, there was a period of silence as the people felt and listened to the wind and reflected on the significance of what they had just participated in. Now the ceremony looked back to how God, why the pouring of water? They looked back to how God had provided water in the wilderness out of a rock. Remember when Moses struck the rock and water came out? But it not only looked back, they looked forward to the time when God would provide water from heaven for their thirsty souls through the coming Messiah. And the water clearly represented the Holy Spirit, the true source of life, the one who created all things. And they would look forward to when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out through the Messiah and satisfy their thirst. But the whole ceremony was marked by joyful exuberance. In fact, long after the temple was no longer existence, the rabbis, Jewish rabbis would say, he who has not seen the rejoicing at the place of the water drawing at the Feast of Tabernacles has never seen rejoicing in his life. So it's a time of tremendous joy and, and excitement. Now, the seventh day of this eight-day festival, remember what I said, the first day was a Sabbath, second day was a Sabbath, nothing happened. The seventh day was called the last great day of this feast. And it was looked forward to with great anticipation, excitement. The event, in a sense, reached its climax. And it was also called the Great Praise Day. And on this final day, the priests would circle the altar seven times and then pour out the water with great pomp and ceremony because this was the end of the the whole week-long ritual. But on one particular day, the day when Jesus was present, it's recorded in John chapter 7, as he sat there watching the ritual, the drama of the whole ritual priest marching, with, uh, leading the procession with his water, could have possibly at the very end of the celebration, during the moment of 
silence, pause, when everybody paused at the end of the ritual. This is what happened. Watch this, John chapter 7, what John records in John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. Let's read it together. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Pastor, why are you saying it loud? Because that's what Jesus did. See that? Okay? He shouted to the crowds. I'm not even shouting. I'm just saying it loud. He shouted. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Verse 39. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Let's fast forward the account. Remember, the end of his life, Jesus was arrested. He was crucified. And he rose again, appeared to his disciples several times. And so we pick up another passage in what is called the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. After he rose from the dead in John chapter 20. Let's read this too together, shall we? On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the do doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This morning, this is the message. Please listen to the simple message. Jesus is wanting to breathe the Holy Spirit afresh on you and me. He wants to breathe on us. He's waiting to fill you with his spirit. Question is, are you ready to receive him? The real question is, do you want him to fill you this morning? Well, I don't know about you, but I need more of the Holy Spirit's presence this morning. Amen? We need him, friends. And just before we go into a season of prayer. I want to just give you five reasons from the scripture why I need him and I trust you will feel your need for him as well. First of all, when we have more of the Holy Spirit, he will help us, the Bible says. In John chapter 16 verse 7, familiar promise I've given it to you before. It is to your advantage, John chapter 16, verse 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. 
For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Pastor Agnell did not see my notes this morning, but you notice in his worship, he said, God with us, God with us. That is exactly who the Holy Spirit is. He is God with us. An ever-present help in our time of need. You know, because he is invisible and he is everywhere, when you have him with you, you are never alone. You may be in an interview somewhere where you're supposed to appear alone, but you're not alone. You may be traveling somewhere alone and, and uh, you know, uh, it looks like the journey is going to be rocky, but you're really never alone. And he, he's with us not just to help us survive through life. That is very minimal, okay? Of course, he's there to help us. But he wants us to live a flourishing life that radiates God's shalom, God's full and meaningful life. You know why? So that you and I can be a blessing to others. He just doesn't want to bless me. You follow? He wants to make me a blessing to a world around that's hurting and in need. So that's the first blessing of the Holy Spirit. He will help us. Secondly, He will guide us. Again, this is this promise in John 16 verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will, He will guide you. Do you need guidance? I do. We live in a world of confusing voices, don't we? So many confusing voices. What's the right thing to do in this situation? My boss is telling me to do this. Do I do it? How, how should I live in the midst of a group of people who seem to do, think exactly the opposite of what I think? Guidance in the midst of a confusing world. He helps us to tune in. That's what the Holy Spirit does to the voice of our Heavenly Father. In a sense, he's a moral compass. He guides us to do the Father's will, what is right and good each day, each week, all through life. He promises to be our guide. Thirdly, he will teach us. And that, of course, is in many ways an extension of guidance, isn't it? Again, the promise of Jesus in John 14, 26, the help of the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God's word is our life manual. For every believer, God's word is our life manual. It reveals God's will to us. It reveals his design for life. And not just that, it reveals his purpose for humanity, for the world. Why are we here? What are we doing here? Why is the world the way it is? God's word teaches us. But as you and I know, it's one thing to read the word of God. It's quite another thing to understand and apply it. And so the Holy Spirit enlightens us. He gives us insight into scripture. 
helps us understand, helps us recall what we read in Scripture and apply it to our lives. So why do we need Him? He helps us. He guides us. He teaches us. Thirdly, and I just love this, the Bible promises, and this is the beauty of it, God asks us to pray, but then through the Holy Spirit, He helps us to pray. He will pray through us. Romans 8, 26, please read this with me. It's a beautiful verse. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There are times in our lives, I don't know if you've ever been there, when the pain is so great. When the burden is so heavy. You know you must pray, but you don't know how to pray. We don't know, can't think of the right words. And here's the beauty of what the Holy, why the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us. He prays for us, through us. Sometimes wordless prayers. Sometimes prayers which are no more than groans or cries. Or words we've never learned. He enables us to express our deepest needs to God. And it's a little bit like, you know, moms understand this. When a little child speaks and no one else can understand it. Mama knows what those seemingly meaningless syllables mean because there is a connection, right? Well, that's our Heavenly Father gives us that connection to the Holy Spirit. It's not just the words, important though they are. He understands and he hears the heartbeat. He understands the deep groans, sometimes which we cannot even express. Fifthly and finally, Holy Spirit fills us with hope. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. When life doesn't seem to look too good, things are not going the way they should. Some people decide to end it, right? Pull the plug. Give up. Others keep going. You know why? What, what, what keeps us going? Hope. Hope. That's why someone has called hope fuel for the soul. The Holy Spirit carries us. The Holy Spirit gives us hope through trials and tribulations. Thanks for listening to this message from AG Kolkata. We hope you would stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram by using at AGC Kolkata. We would love to know how this message has touched your life. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing us at stories at agkolkata.org Hope you have a great week ahead.